Talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. Welcome to A Players, the podcast where we'll tell you how to target, hire, retain, and train top performers for your team. I mean, we grew from 20 people in March to 70 people today, right? So all distributed, 25 countries looking to add more. We don't care about your location, we only care about your talent. That's quite a big jump, right? From having, I think a month and a half ago, it's one person on the sales team, apart from my head of sales, to having about, I don't know, 12, 13 AEs today. <laughs> There's definitely some interesting paths to it. I am Robin Choi, CEO at HireSuite, and we are sourcing automation software that helps 900 tech companies hire the best talent. Add me and follow me now on LinkedIn if you want to keep an eye on us. Okay, so today we're having Alex from Deal. So Deal is very, let's say, special company. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I understand is you launched the product in April 2019, and then in the span of a year and a half, you raised 50 million in funding with one of the most prominent VC fund, which is Anderson Horowitz. And so today you are 70 people in the team in 25 countries, so very stellar growth. Is that right, Alex? That's correct. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. The topic for today we decided together is how you got a thousand customers in a year for your company, and we'll see why it's interesting to our audience and why it's interesting to understanding how the landscape for A players changed. So can you tell us more about what you do exactly and maybe a bit of background on the company and how you got here? Of course. So what we do at Dill is, it's pretty straightforward actually, but there's lots of complications to it. We help companies hire in other countries. So if today uh, your company wants to hire someone in the Philippines or in Estonia, because the talent you want is there. We make it really easy for you to hire them as independent contractors or as full-time employees in a couple of clicks. So, you know, most companies today are realizing that A players are all over the world and that limiting yourself to, you know, 30 kilometers when hiring, that radius is just not, not good enough. And we're here to enable that. So we've launched the product, like you said, in April 2019. And in the span of a year and a half, we went from not much to building you know, something that's, that people, I think, enjoy using. Uh, we support about a thousand companies from SMBs all the way to public companies. So, you know, that's phenomenon that's happening all over the marketplace. And like you said, we raise about $50 million. We're about 70 people in 25 different countries. And yeah, we're, we're growing. We're actually hiring too. <laughs> hmm. So we've known each other for a few, I would say, years now. And I remember being very impressed when you raised a Series A in June 2020 and a Series B in September 2020. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's been a crazy year, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, something was unheard of. What were the numbers again? So we raised $14 million back by Andreessen and a couple of strong angels uh, back in May, June. And then we raised $30 million back by Spark Capital, YC Continuity, Andreessen, and a couple of fun angels as well in September. Wow. And this is also obviously because the company had a huge growth in 2020. Would you say that most of this growth was driven by COVID? I wouldn't say it was only driven by COVID. So the truth is companies have been hiring internationally for quite a while. It's just that it was never really done properly, or at least there was no real framework from a people's ops perspective or HR perspective. So, you know, we had customers before COVID and we're still growing. We definitely had an acceleration with more and more companies being forced into remote work, realizing that after all, if we're already all remote, why be limited to, you know, by the distance and by an office and a location? 
So, you know, we definitely had a lot of momentum going into that and a lot of companies that were not used to hiring remotely have started looking into it. So, you know, I think we would have still been where we are from a product perspective, but from a traction perspective and from an awareness perspective, the idea of remote work has exponentially grown for sure. Mm. And yeah, obviously there was good execution as well. There's a lot of players in the space, so congrats for that as well. You're clearly in a leading position today. Yet there is this very deep market trend that is driving this growth and driving companies moving to remote. And again, we're being used to that now, but can you tell us more about that market shift and what it meant for the entire hiring industry? Yeah, for sure. So there's a few things to it. One, the fact that people started hiring outside of their country forced them into looking for a solution that gives their talent a much better experience. Until now, most companies hiring outside of their country would just be sending wires or for the ones that cared a little more, they'd go into solutions like a TransferWise or a PayPal to give a better experience. But overall, it's very underwhelming. And what happens is the other side of that is that it's very non-compliant. So when you're hiring someone in another country, you know, we're both from France, probably the best country from an employment law perspective and the most complicated country for a lot of companies, you need to think about all the steps of working with someone in a country like that. And, you know, when you have a couple of people and you're hoping no one really sees, it doesn't really matter. You think it doesn't matter. But when you start growing and hiring in more countries and when countries are realizing you're hiring their talents, they start looking a little deeper. So understanding the right way to set up the relationship from a compliance perspective, combining with the fact that companies are now thinking about having a global team, meaning they want to give streamlined and a pretty cohesive experience to all their teammates, regardless of the location, forced companies to look for solutions that actually do that. And that's one of the biggest shifts, right? Now your people ops or your chief people officer will be looking to give the same or maybe even better experience to your teammates in the Ukraine or in France than their local W2s in the US. And did you see changes in mindsets in the last 18 months? Did you see change a lot or do you feel it was just a natural continuity of what already was in place? I think we saw a change in mindset for enterprise customers and maybe mid-market. I think SMBs and small startups were always more open to hiring internationally because the fact that you have to compete for talent all the time and that they realize that you know when you don't have a lot of budget, you don't have a lot of funding, hiring outside of your country is something that you naturally do more often. What I've seen is bigger companies. So you know, I can't exactly name all of them, but some of our public companies, enterprise companies, they've looked at it from a different perspective. They started you know, getting their feet wet, hiring one, two person in another country and trying to you know, gauge whether or not it's something that was going to work for them. And then you know, I think we've seen some of them hire hundreds of people directly right after that. So definitely a change in mindset at the people ops level for sure. But also overall, you know, engineers, CTOs are more open to working with engineers around the world. And across the board, what we've seen is the organization is just more welcoming, right? And if we can make it easy for you from the compliance and HR and all this perspective to do it, then you know we should be able to empower it even further. And so you already do work with corporates and you also see corporates making that shift. Does it mean that the competition for talent is just changing countries? So today we're committing in the same cities, in New York, in San Francisco. Does that mean that now we'll have to compete with these same companies in tier two cities? Potentially. Well, there's a few things to it. First, I think, I mean, I think there's still great talent in San Francisco. I do think some people are overpaid there versus some great talents around the world. I think there's going to be a shift on that front where 
the best people, regardless of their country, will start earning what they should be earning. And that's going to be, I think, quite critical. I do think what you might see is you might see companies like ours. I mean, we, we don't hire engineers in San Francisco. I actually find that. Again, I think there's great talent, but for me, it makes literally no sense, right? So you'll see great startups, I hope, <laughs> adopt our model a little more and give more chances to people in different countries. But I think, I mean, competition for talent will always be there. I think it gives more opportunity to other people. Some great talent that could have been working for your company before didn't have the opportunity and might have it today. So sure, there's going to be a little more money funneled into those countries and for those talents. I don't think the balance is going to change drastically just yet. It's just going to you know, level a little bit. And can you tell us more about what the last 18 months looked like for you? So you signed those thousand new customers already working with enterprise, corporates. Can you explain a bit more about your own personal trajectory as a founder and the company's trajectory as well? Yeah, as a founder and CEO, you know, I'm pretty scrappy. So having gone through the process of having to level myself and, you know, become a better founder, a better CEO, let go of things that I might have never thought I would have to on the product side, on the sales side, is something quite interesting. So, you know, as the month kind of went by from raising our seed round and being very, very deep into the product all the way to a series A, to starting to hire our first executives, our management team. I mean, I still do interview every single person at the company today and I want to do that forever. But learning how to let go and trust your teammate to execute and just having the high-level KPIs and understanding of what are your priorities as a CEO every morning has been quite challenging. But I think so far I've done a decent job at it. So the trajectory has been incredible, right? I, I, it's a very different job. <laughs> but I can't say, I'm still unsure which one I prefer the most. You know, I'll always be scrappy. I'll always be the one that wants to be creative versus just executing and, and just, you know, planning and compensation planning and hiring strategies. I think it's super important, but we'll see how that evolves. In terms of the company itself, I mean, we grew from 20 people in March to 70 people today, right? So all distributed in 25 countries, right? All distributed, 25 countries looking to add more. We don't care about your location. We only care about your talent. That's quite a big jump, right? From having, I think, a month and a half ago, it's one person on the sales team, apart from my head of sales, to having about, I don't know, 12, 13 AEs today. <laughs> There's definitely some interesting paths to it. I mean, you know, I can talk about it for hours, but... I'd be curious to hear about the uh, interviewing process. So you say, as a founder, you still interview everyone. What does the interviewing process look like? What does it look like? What's your secret sauce to find those top performers again, knowing that you have the very competitive advantage of hiring anywhere in the world? So there's a few, I think we should break down the question in a few parts. I'll touch on the interview process because that one is pretty rapid. We're very aggressive on hiring. So one of the things, and we need to get much better at it, to be fair, but one of the things we're good at is when we find someone we think is a fit, we'll have all four interviews in like two days and we'll get an offer out super fast. And that makes it very smooth. Communications are super transparent. And if you're passionate about what we're doing and as a company, you get really excited fast. So our process is quite simple. Depending on the position, we'll have you know the hiring manager do the first interview, see if they're a fit. If they're a fit, give them a case study or something that's tailored for that specific role. And then again, depending on the specific department, you'll have my co-founder or COO do the second interview another interview with another hiring manager, and then one last interview with me. Uh, I've got the fun job of this, which is trying to really go deep into understanding the person, giving them 
a bit of an understanding of who we are as people and understanding if they're fit for that. You know, we have a couple key characteristics we're hiring for. And yeah, that's kind of the fun part of the job on my side. It's just making sure that we're aligned and that they'll be able to stay with us for the next few years. Actually, that's my favorite question in interviews. I love to ask people, what can I do for you to still be with us in the next five to seven years? Yeah, it's a fun question to ask because you want to not be in the position they are today, right? You want them to be happy, whatever the problem they had. So that's our interview process. <laughs> mm-hmm. And from a talent perspective, so there's a few things you can do there. To be fair, I think we've got a decent brand in the remote space. So we do get quite a bit of applicants, which is very flattering and has been a great tool for us to get A players. And then you've got, you know, you've got amazing tools like obviously HireSuite is a great way to manage your inbound of candidates and actually managing the outbound as well. It's been really nice. And you've got, you know, great HR people that can help you there. I think the way we look at hiring is very open, right? We've got our job descriptions. And when you don't look for locations, when you just look for skill set and scrappiness or whatever is the right fit for that role, you have a different approach to screening. And yeah, I mean, you know, we look at everyone and we try to do our best to give them the most feedback we can and be very, you know, answer them as fast as we can as well. We'll keep the question, what can I do for you to still be with us in three to five years? That's a good one. And for five, seven years, that's the, you know. Five, seven years. Okay. You're going for the IPO, you know, it actually took them seven years. So you should be in the same boat. <laughs> what do people reply to that? You know, usually you get a part of the answer in the first discussions, which is like, why are you looking to make a move? Because a lot of the times the people we interview are working are at amazing companies. So, you know, they kind of tell you what's frustrating for them or what are they looking for. So you kind of get a sense of that. But asking it that way really makes you understand what they value the most and what they want to see as a change. So sometimes it's a matter of speed, right? Like things are a little too slow if they're in a big corporate or it's a matter of ownership that's given to them. Sometimes it's a matter of not seeing the word the same way. And that also gives you some perspective. Are you saying the word the same way, right? Would they be a good fit for a deal for our company or for your company from a culture fit perspective? So I don't know. I, I like that answer because the way I usually like to end it is if you ever get in a scenario like the one you described, you know I'm here for you and please come and talk to me. And we'll see if it does pay off. But on paper, to me, it's for you to understand we care. And caring is one of the, you know, when you're asking what's the culture at Dill, what are we looking for? The first thing we ever mentioned is we hire people that really care, that have really good hearts. So that really aligns with our hiring characteristics and the values we have. We'll see you again. We'll talk again after the IPO then. We'll see uh, who's left. <laughs> and so another thing that you mentioned is, so you grew the team from 20 to 70 people really fast beyond that hiring plan. How did you decide on who to hire? How do you build the uh, architecture for the team? So I think my, my investors are going to freak out when they're going to hear that. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, as a startup, like fast-growing startup, we didn't look at hiring. But first, we are an HR company, right? So we look every single person at the manager level and within the company thinks about what is the best way to build HR processes all the time. So we took it on ourselves to all be very thorough in every single step of the process and what where do we want to go and what do we want to do on the flip side sometimes you really need talented people for things that you didn't realize you needed so it's kind of a balance of we really need to get that done we really need those people right now and oh you know we need a head of finance or we need a head of customer success at that time so there's a balance between 
oh my God, we did not realize we really needed that that role right now. What can we do to have a, a, the best person possible within the next one week or two weeks? And okay, you know, clearly on the BizOp side, so for example, our head of operations, our operations is working wonderfully, but we've decided in three to six months, given the scale which we're growing, we really need to bring another senior person on the team, right? So it's a mix of let's hire right now and something's going to break if we don't hire right now. <laughs> okay, so everything is on fire and we're looking for people to put up that fire. We're always looking for like, so one of the things we have, and we'll see how much we can stick to it. I hope we can. But if you look at a deal job description, we dream about building a company where let's say 150 people take us to take the company to IPO. We don't want to be a company with thousands and thousands of people. We might have to, but I'm hoping we can solve problems through scalable processes over headcount, right? I think every single person we bring has a critical role in the company. And I think the people we bring are highly talented and they're more than a headcount, right? They're here to solve lots of problems. And if you think through, and I, I think that's actually a really good exercise. That's something our COO Dan talks about quite a bit. Whatever we build, we always try to build it in a way of what would happen to this if we had $100 million in AR, right? X, you know, 100x of what you have today. How bad would that be broken? And if it's broken, how can we make it so that it actually can scale? I, I really like that mindset. So about being a remote first company, did you work in a remote company before or were you accustomed to this way of working, which is again, different from the office life? <laughs> Funny story. I've always built companies from my, so I dropped out of my quick story from France. I moved to Israel to do my BA and then I moved to the US to do my, my master's, moved to the UK to do my PhD, dropped out of my PhD to start my first company, which didn't end up being that great, to be honest. But I could never afford developers in Israel because they're crazy expensive there. I could never afford developers in San Francisco. So I actually hired people in different countries just because I didn't have any money. We were fully bootstrapped. And so the fun part is I've never had a team that was not distributed. And I've actually never worked in an office in my life. So I don't really know how it feels or what it is. <laughs> Okay, good. So my other question, but then the answer will probably be different then, is what do you change in the interview process when you're hiring the person remotely? And I'm thinking more specifically about the technical assessment and the technical interview, the assessment side. Do you need to change something? Do you do it differently? Do you have any recommendation on that? Yeah, I can't really compare, but I mean, you know, I think our technical assessment, which are a mix of home task compare and you know, live testing, live coding, sorry, yeah, assessments doesn't feel that different. Whether you're in the same room or sharing your screen, to me, kind of feels the same. I've never really been a big fan of that uh, because I've done a, quite a few of those interviews myself, right? Of those whiteboarding interviews. It's never been my thing. So I can really give you tips on how to run interviews differently, but I can tell you for sure that if you've got strong people on your team, they can assess the skill set, right? There's the practical skill set of someone really easily and then, you know, maybe what's a bit harder is the culture of fit because you're not in person and you cannot feel that person. And that's where you have to be a bit more thorough about what are you really looking for. Yeah. But again, if you never work in an office, then that's probably not a relevant question. Most anyway. likely. <laughs> and so where do you see this trend going? Do you feel, so we're talking about uh, vaccines, we're talking about the end of the, uh, we hope for the best, the end of the pandemic. Do you feel like this trend will change or do you think we'll accelerate in the same direction? 
Well, you know, of course, like everyone, I'm really hopeful that I can start wearing a mask when I go outside. But, you know, the way I look at that is there's going to be a bit of a mix of both. Some people need an office to work, right? And it might not be a full office with every single person in the same place. There might be some scars of people not wanting to go back because, you know, there's some remainers of the virus and all those things. I'm not 100% sure there. What I'm sure is that a psychological level, people have embraced the idea of not having to be stuck from nine to five in, in one office and have been more open to hiring diversified talent and diversified teams. I think diversity is very critical for an organization to be successful as well. So long story short, I'm looking at the market and I'm, I think there's definitely the switch has been done, right? People are always going to be looking now remote first from a hiring perspective. And whether we end up being in a hybrid situation or not, you know, I think most companies will just see what they think is better for themselves, right? I don't think we'll ever be in an office, right? So that's just not going to happen. Could we have one office in London when we have too many people and that they can pop by whenever they want? Sure, why not? I don't mind as much, right? I just want my teammates to be happy and I want to give them the flexibility of doing whatever is right for them. Right. But what we understand is that in the past 10, 20 years, companies have more and more access to information, to tools, to software is getting cheaper and cheaper. And no, that's also the same for talent, right? You're creating a company like what you did when you dropped out of your PhD and you started a company, hired people remotely, and that's a very cheap way to access talents because you don't have to hire in your city and also probably a way to encourage more innovation. So in any way, companies will probably have to adapt to this new way of hiring anyway, right? For sure. And I mean, if you think about all the amazing websites to teach you how to learn how to code, all those amazing schools that are teaching people online how to code, you definitely have talented people around the world that have access to more knowledge, right? That's definitely a big part of that that shift, right? Is you can have a very cheap laptop and you can start learn how to code regardless whether you're in Zimbabwe or in the middle of nowhere in Russia or in China, right? So from that standpoint, the way I look at things is over the last few years, all those amazing companies prepared and taught amazing people to be ready for when the market will open, right? Like that, right? And I think that's actually one of the biggest accelerators of that is all this talent having access to knowledge by a click of a button. And do you see companies hiring directly talent in different countries or do you see like kind of outsourcing companies doing the intermediary and being the middleman between the actual software company and the talent? Because that's also another model, right? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, I think, intermediaries the way you're wording it. You know, for example, the way I deal, the way we help companies is by being plug and play software to make it really easy for those companies to hire people. Now, there is some limitations around for example, the full-time employee model that we have, which is at the end of the day, you don't have an entity in the local country. So you need another company or another entity to hire that person on your behalf and you know, take on the responsibility of the employment. But that's more like an umbrella company, right? They're not an outsourcing agency. Yeah, exactly. Outsourcing for me, it's something, you know, that's something VCs 10 years ago would call remote teams. <laughs> so, you know, people have changed on this topic. I'm personally not a huge fan of the idea of outsourcing. Now, you know, there's some wonderful agencies that can do a lot of work for you. I'm more focused on bringing A players. And if you want to bring A players, you got to give them a great experience. They got to be on your team and you got to be with you, if that makes sense. Okay. And so today, do you only work with software companies or do you also work with these agencies as well? 
as customers? We work with agencies, but the way we work with some agencies, they're a team within themselves, right? So you want to work with agency X to develop a product, agency X is a remote team and want to give a really good experience to their remote teammates, right? So it's not really like plug and play the way you think about it there. It's more, you know, we have some really interesting companies using the product. I mean, we've got a company doing global first medical response using deal to hire people in different countries, which is like crazy. So it's not, you know, it's never mainly software. We have ed tech companies, we've got universities as customers. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everyone. It's not just the startup world that's looking at talent and saying, let's hire outside. It's, it's a global revolution. Right. And I'm also curious to hear, so obviously, especially in the Bay Area, when we are thinking about hiring distributed talent, we're thinking about engineers because they're so expensive in the Bay Area. But again, that's not only engineers, right? You can hire doctors, you can hire a lot of different people. So what are the main use cases that you see your clients use you? In which team do they use you mostly? Yeah, you know, by virtue of being a, a tech company and having a tech network, my first customers were obviously startups and we've seen quite a bit of engineers being hired for deal. But then again, it's it's a little bit all over, right? Designers, customer support agent, customer success agents, operation people, salespeople, like it's honestly across departments, right? Obviously, some companies have a preference, for example, on the sales side to hire within the United States and with perfect English if you're selling a SaaS to, to other US companies. But across the board, I think regardless of the department, regardless of the skill sets, we've seen companies hire everywhere. And again, it's more a matter of talent rather than location or type of skills. Well, thanks a lot, Alex. It was uh, great talking to you. Thanks for sharing those very exciting 18 months with us. And we're looking forward to the next 18 months then. <laughs> for sure. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, excited to chat again in 18 months with uh, hopefully a bigger team and more updates. <laughs> sure. Thanks for listening to that podcast till the end. If you're still with us, it's probably that you enjoy the players. A Players is brought to you by myself and Hire Suite. We are building a sourcing automation software and we already help 900 tech companies hire the best talents. To know more about us, go to www.hiresuite.com or you can add me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive and always happy to chat. The more subscribers, the best guests will host. You want to help? You can do a lot in less than 10 seconds. Please subscribe to that podcast, leave us a nice rating or review and share the podcast around you. That really, really helps. Thanks a lot and talk to you soon.